Now, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. It is that time. It's the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman and Tanner Hayworth here for this hour. It'll be officially the sports animals at 7 a.m. And uh, hopefully you can be along for the ride today in our next to last show of 2023. By the way, the, the traffic guy looks like he was a little sleepy giving the traffic report a few minutes. So I'd like to hear a little bit more enthusiasm, especially when there's not much traffic. And I love this part of uh, the holiday season, no traffic, and I kind of despise the other part when there is traffic, but uh, hopefully everything will be okay for everybody out there. A lot going on as we get ready for the last several days of 2023, and uh, one of the things I wanted to start with, and we got a whole bunch of local stuff to get into, but the Pro Football Hall of Fame did announce their 15 finalists last night, and the way they do it, they'll get it down to 15 They'll get it down to 10 sometime late January, and then they will have the five that get in, if it is five. I think you have to get 80% of the vote to qualify, but no more than five. And that'll be announced officially a couple of days before the Super Bowl, which isn't that far away, uh, when they have the NFL Hall of Honor show, and they give out the MVP and all that. So some new names on there, and here are the, uh, the finalists. First-time candidates first, Julius Peppers, Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates is one of those guys who's a tight end, obviously, who played college basketball and worked out as a tight end in the NFL. Not worked out, but worked out meaning they worked out well and were a pretty good player. Tony Gonzalez was a college basketball player at Cal. Pretty good NFL tight end. I remember watching him in the Maui Classic way back when against UMass uh, when he flew in after a football game to play basketball. Also, Antonio Gates, as I mentioned. Uh, Terrell Owens actually played college basketball as well. And There's one more that I'm forgetting as far as tight end. One thing I didn't know about Antonio Gates that he didn't play football in college. He was not drafted in the NBA, and then he decided to give football a try. So those are first-time candidates for the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Now, a couple of guys that have been there before, in fact, five-time finalists, Torrey Holt and Reggie Wayne. Really good players, obviously. You've also got, as far as returning finalists, Patrick Willis, Andre Johnson, Dwight Freeney, Jared Allen, who's been on our show in the past, Willie Anderson, Darren Woodson, Devin Hester. Uh, it's a tough one. Now, they also have Eric Allen and Rodney Harrison. Eric Allen played defensive back for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I remember, and this goes way back to when 24-hour fitness was called Gold's Gym. And the one on Capilani, they had a, a ceremony to honor Rich Miano. I forget what exactly it involved, but he was getting honored on this one night. And Eric Allen was there for the festivities. I got I knew Rich at the time, so I was introduced to Eric Allen. Really nice guy. I talked to him throughout the night, but uh, he is on that list as well. Now, I know I say this often when we have Tanner on, besides great job, uh, but I'm not sure if you are old enough to remember all those names or some of them. Yeah, I know you're familiar with the Devin Hester, obviously, but are some of those guys uh, players you, you're aware of? Of course. I think I'm aware of a grand majority of those okay. guys. And I believe you also left off Jari Evans um, when you're mentioning your list. But I, 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 I left out who? Jari Evans. 
I didn't see him on my list. I thought I saw him on the list there. Okay. But a lot of these guys, I think I was going over the list because I believe, what, out of the finalists, only five or six get picked? Five, five, I think five is the max, and they have to get, I believe, 80% of the vote uh, to get in. So. Yeah, and what's nice is it's not like the Baseball Hall of Fame where on someone's last year of eligibility, they're like, oh, I'll vote for them next year, you know, but they'll... <laughs> They don't have any of that stuff going on. Well, like at, going at on a certain there. point, I think you have to get in via the Veterans Committee as well. Right. I'm not sure how many years you're allowed on the ballot. Yeah, but certainly the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, a lot more better of a voting process, I've always found. There's not usually not as much, not as much frustration. But, you know, going down the list, I feel like for the next couple of years, we're going to be seeing this guy's name. And there's always going to be that argument of whether or not a only special teams player, not a kicker or a punter, should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, and a guy like Devin Hester, who is one of, actually, who I think it's safe to say, the best return man in NFL history. It would be safe to say that. You might bring up others, but how could you say anybody's better? That, that'd be hard to do. Right. Like, the only other guy I can think of is, like, Deion Sanders. But he also played, you know, was a pretty okay cornerback, to say the when least. When they threw to him. <laughs> so... I'm on the road of allowing in Devin Hester because it's really hard to tell the story of a position like a kick returner or punt returner without including one of the most legendary ones to ever do it. And it is I a mean, position, so how could you leave he, it out? He, I agree. I mean, he was very quintessential. Even though they lost the Super Bowl, he was the first one to score in that Colts-Bears Super Bowl. Uh, in, was that his rookie year? Where the Colt, where Peyton Manning and the Colts beat the Bears, he returned yeah, the, I remember the game. kickoff for the touchdown. So he is. I I think Devin Hester should be allowed in, but the, I think the main issue right now for this Hall of Fame is that there are a lot of names of guys that I do know, and then that's really hard to differentiate. If I had to pick five, it gets tough because I feel like if there's any shoe ins, I would assume it would have been. Antonio Gates would probably be one of them as one of the best tight ends of all time, right? as well as his story. But then there are guys that I feel like should be in there, like Dwight Freeney, Patrick Willis, Julius Peppers, Devin Hester, like I said, uh, Jared Allen. I mean, there's a, a Rodney Harrison. There's a lot of guys that's really hard to you know, just leave off the ballot. But, hey, that's why we don't have that job, I guess. Yeah, everybody on this list, as far as these finalists, is definitely worthy and deserving. I, I, I think so, too. Julius Peppers had 159-and-a-half career sacks. Pretty good. Fourth most ever. Uh, it'd be hard to leave him out. And he was a basketball player. I should have brought him up. He not a tight end, obviously, but he played college basketball at North Carolina. Uh, and I'm not sure if everybody's as familiar with that. Donovan McNabb actually played college basketball, too. The first Final Four that I went to uh, was with um, UMass, Kentucky, and then Syracuse and Mississippi State. But he played in that Final Four. I believe he was a freshman in 96. Uh, obviously better in football. Didn't play a lot. In fact, I'm not sure if he played in the game, but I remember him taking warm-ups thinking that's their quarterback. But all these guys are worthy. We'll see when it gets down to 10 in about a month. One thing I, I like more about baseball than football is that football, you have a set amount. You're going to have 15 to 10 to 5. Where baseball, some years you'll get one player in. Technically, you could get eight players in. You could, there's no limit. There's no set number. And you still have to get a percent of the vote. I believe it's 75% of the, of the votes and all the ballots turned in. Or if it's not 75, it's right in that area. But And there was one year, I think, that where nobody got in. 
except maybe on the Veterans Committee side, stuff like that. But those are the finalists. And, you know, if you've got a thought, let us know at 808-296-1420. Another story we are following, and it coincides with our first guest who will join us at 735 today is Charlie Wade. And this is going to be one of my first questions to him is they have their first practice coming up at 830 today. That's not my question. But my question is if you have a match, your first regular season match against Loyola of Chicago next Wednesday, and they do on the 3rd. Next Wednesday and Friday, Loyola will be here. How are you having your first practice only a week before? That's one thing. I, was, I mean, I know they have fall practice. Still, your official practices, I thought, usually start well more, well ahead of a week before your first match or game. So I'm going to get to the, uh, get the lowdown on that from Charlie. I would assume it would have to do with something because that it's, you know, winter break right now. And 40 days ago was, like, probably around the time where finals are starting. So as a student athlete, I would only assume that that would be a tough time to then start practicing. Well, finals, yeah, the finals were the last couple of weeks. Uh, I would know. Yeah, you should know. That's true. That's true. You should know. I hope you know. And how did you do, by the way, in your finals? Do you know? Yeah, I got I got credit on my two courses. So that's all that matters. Really. Well, you got credit? Yeah. Do you get a grade? I passed. Oh, they don't give you grades? They give me grades. I got like, solid grades. Okay, you don't want to say. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I don't blame you. I mean, I wouldn't brag about a, a, a C minus either. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But anyway, Charlie Wade will join us. We've got so much volley, uh, basketball and football that we talk about these days. But yeah, volleyball, uh, the team that didn't win the championship, but has played now in four consecutive championship matches, did have back-to-back -back national championships. Unfortunately, lost to UCLA last May, I believe it was in Virginia, or George Mason, I believe, which is right outside Virginia, I believe. And uh, hopefully getting back to that uh, situ that position this year where they are in the championship tournament and hopefully winning the Big West. Where the Big West tournament, I believe, is at the Stan Sheriff Center in May. So that's one of the things we are following. And, of course, keeping with the University of Hawaii sports, their men and women's basketball team conference play does start today for the Big West. Our teams will not play, as we've been talking all week. They get a bye on this first day. You have 20 games, and you'll have two byes, one in the second half of the season. And for Hawaii, they get it on the first day of conference play. Now, for the ladies, they'll have Cal State Fullerton Saturday at noon on the road. Hawaii right now is 3-6, and six, the Rainbow Wahine of 3-6. and six. They're in next-to-last place. Cal State Fullerton is 4-6. and six. They're right in the middle of the pack. I'm... Pretty certain that most people, if not everybody that follows women's basketball or the Big West basketball, is well aware that those records, especially for Hawaii, don't mean that much. In that, because you have an under 500 record now, doesn't mean they should be dismissed as a team that is favored and has an excellent chance of winning the Big West championship. Because they do. And we know they played three Pac-12 schools who were all ranked at the time in Washington, Stanford, and UCLA. UCLA is second in the country when they played them last week. Stanford, I think, was somewhere around ninth or 11th, and they moved up to number two at one point. Washington was a little further down, but still ranked teams. And all on the road, of course. So you got to, you know, give them a little bit of a pass. Well, just, again, to me, the records are misleading. Uh, because it's not a true reflection of how conference play is going to pan out. Last year, I might remind you, they were 1-7 in, in conference play going into the Big West, and we know how that turned out. 
On the men's side, they will have, obviously, Cal State Fullerton as well. It'll be Saturday night at 7 p.m. We had Jamie Smith in our studio yesterday. And one of the cool things I wasn't aware of with Jamie is that he's going to be honored at halftime and get his Big West championship ring. Uh, I didn't realize he didn't get it last time. Well, the, the last time when they won it in 2016. But that's kind of a cool thing that is going on. They want you to dress in any costume you want. It's the beginning of conference play. And Eric Matthews has done a great job with uh, everything, with the with the marketing aspects and getting the fans involved. And I know Jamie Smith is going to be a little bit on board with that this weekend on Saturday as well. So that should be pretty cool. Now, Fullerton on the men's side, their record right now is 7-5. and five. Hawaii is eight and four. I, I got to look a little bit deeper into Fullerton. I'll definitely do that tonight. Get ready for tomorrow's show and our Rainbow Warrior countdown for Saturday. But what I do know is that they lost their leading score, Latrell Wrightsell. I went to Alabama, and we've mentioned several times over the last month how a lot of Big West teams have lost players. Well, not maybe a lot, but some key te- key players off of some of the top teams. Irvine lost a few starters to the portal. Uh, Riverside lost Zion Poland, went to Florida. And then um, I mentioned Wright Cell going to Alabama. There's another couple in there. But the transfer portal, basically connected with the NIL, uh, did get some people out of the conference. Still, those teams just don't stand pat. I know they've gone out and gotten other players that we're not maybe aware of now, but we will be real soon. Just like some of the other schools in the Big West, I'm sure they're aware of a Justin McCoy and a Matthew Cotton, but they're not as familiar with him because they haven't played a conference game yet. To me, it's exciting. It's almost like the start of the new season, which it really is because this is what really matters. And I just want to go on a little bit, just a little bit of a rant. We'll get Tanner's reaction. We'll get yours and some of the texts coming in at 808-296-1420. I know the Big West is very unlikely to get a second team into the NCAA tournament, men and women, as of right now. They have played some tough teams. I mentioned how the Rainbow Washington played three ranked teams out of the Pac-12, but they haven't won any of those. Not just Hawaii, but other schools. There's been a couple of wins where Irvine, I believe, beat Oregon State first game of the season, men's men's basketball, and they played San Diego State oh so tough and almost pulled out the victory. It bothers me that the Big West will not get a second team in, even, even without me being a Big West fan because of Hawaii in it, as opposed to other conferences getting eight, nine, or ten teams in, and those teams are basically, and they are, no better than 500. I've never liked that. I, I know why they get invited, and I just don't like it. You, you, They might be a better team. I don't see how they're a better or a more deserving team. When you finish in eighth place, let's say, and some of them are ninth place, and you're 500, and you might be a game over, you might be a game under, and you get invited as an at-large, you, you shouldn't be rewarded to that. Now, I kind of feel the same way about bowl games where I'm not a big fan of necessarily six and six teams getting in. And they have to do that because there's too many bowl games. And that's, you know, sidebar to this. But for basketball, I wish they could find a way uh, to reward some of the second-best teams, so to speak, in these conferences known as mid-majors on the men's side. Uh, it's just not right. And it's sad in a way that for, you know, the Big West, new season, everything starts anew starting tonight. Everybody but Hawaii on both sides will be playing tonight, 10 of the 11 teams. And you'll go through this for early March at the Big West tournament, and only one team that goes 3-0 and in mid-March in Henderson for the Big West tournaments will go to the NCAA, where there are other teams that are probably deserving because on their level, they performed pretty well. But a second-place team that might go, you know, 10-8, and eight, let's say, 
uh, anything like that. I'm still not sure if the San Diego games count this year. I'll have to find out about that. They will in the conference record, I guess. So you're going to play 20 games. Uh, but teams that, again, in the Power Five conferences, and I'll be re- reminding you of that throughout the season, they're going to get those at-larges. And, again, not a fan of that, but we will see how it plays out. Well, it's not like it's just indiscriminate. It's based off of the RPI system and all that stuff. Well, not RPI. What the is net, it called? The net, the net rating now. And, look, I can be sad all I want because it does suck that a lot of, you know, really good to solid, you know, group, uh, mid-major teams do not get included. But I think at the same time, though, that should be a little bit of a motivation to, I don't know, get better. Because you could talk about the Big West. I mean, you can look at the Big West right now and see that if you just look at all the teams that we have so far, I wouldn't necessarily say that there are two teams worthy of going into March Madness. Well, I would not much, now, maybe, but yeah, not now. If you when you get to beginning of March, and let's say you see one team that's in first place having a great record, but what about if the second place team is, you know, um, let's say fourteen and six, fifteen and five? That's always the thing when it comes to having the regular season winner and then the postseason winner is that normally that postseason, if it's a different team, there is that small chance of a team getting in. However, you also do need to kind of take care of business in the out-of-conference for that to be done. And truly, I think the only team to really take care of business in the out-of-conference are teams like UC Santa Barbara. And casually, CSUN is 9-3. What what happened there? Well, you got to look at who they played. Now, they did beat UCLA, so you you can't say, well, they played a cupcake schedule. They might have played other teams that are pretty down there in the rankings, but they beat UCLA. So they definitely deserve credit for that. But I, that's kind of what I was saying earlier about like when you look at the women's schedule, the women's record, and you see Hawaii down there at the or next to last place at three and six. It's deceiving because of who they played. Because uh, I don't think it'll be like that at the end of the season. I'm not. I still, without knowing everything about CSUN, I would doubt that they're going to be a top four team in right. the Big West. And it is really funny when you do look at CSUN's schedule. It doesn't really make sense at all. Because they start out with a you know a a nine point loss to Stanford and a couple of wins, one including at Idaho, which is you know okay you know, and then they lose to something called Lemoyne, and then have two straight wins against you know Mississippi Valley State and Pacific, two teams that we've played in the past. Then they lose to North Colorado, another team that I think that we lost to in the past before, and then they have you know rattle off four straight wins, including UCLA. Utah Tech, Montana State, and Bethesda, which I'm sure that's not the video game studio. No, Bethesda seems to play everybody in the Big West. Hey, we'll get back into this in a minute. We are going to take a break. Uh, We'll get to your text as well. You are listening to The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Barry Dickman and Hannah Hayworth on the Bobby Curran Show, ESPN Honolulu. Charlie Wade will join us in about an hour and nine minutes from now. And then basketball coach, associate basketball coach for the University of Hawaii men's team, John Montgomery will join us a little later in the eight o'clock hour. Now, programming update, and I had forgotten to tell Tanner this before the show. This is for tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow, we will have Braden Shager on the show. He will be joining us at 6.00. 35 a.m. He is in Dallas right now. Uh, We will 
almost definitely play replay that in the 8 o'clock hour. But, yeah, Braden Chager, and we'll get the latest from the source as far as everything involving his decision and coming back to the University of Hawaii. Again, 6.35 tomorrow, Braden Chager on the show. We'll also have Derek Lowe talking UH basketball, and we're hoping to get a Michigan uh, beat writer on to talk about the Michigan-Alabama game coming up on New Year's Day as well. The other thing, I wanted to offer Tanner advice. He's a really good guy and everything, and I like to help him. And, you know, he's helped me from time to time. So my advice to you, Tanner, is for our Fantasy Football League Championship, I want the better team to win. Actually, I want my team to win, I should be honest. But I would recommend because, you know, you have uh, Tommy DeVito, who's probably not going to play. No, CJ Stroud is no way is he going to play. And I heard that there is a quarterback available that if I was you, I would pick up. And I strongly recommend you picking up Russell Wilson. So, like, I already told you yesterday that I cut Tommy DeVito <laughs> for Joe Flacco. And Forget about issue, Flacco. He's going up about, against the Jets the and that monster about, defense. The issue about Flacco is, like you mentioned, I do have C.J. Stroud. And the issue with Flacco is he plays tonight. So I need to make that executive decision now <laughs> to say, all right, do I wait and risk it with C.J. Stroud or do I just play it safe and start Flacco? That's my main issue I'm dealing and with. And it's right tougher now. because they play tonight, the Jets in Cleveland. Exactly. So you can't wait till Sunday morning to get an update on C.J. Stroud. He did return to practice, but he has one more hurdle to clear in the concussion protocol. I hope, hope he clears that hurdle today. Well, I, I again, Russell Wilson, I believe, is 100% healthy. And I can always pick up Jared Stidham. I, uh, yeah, go ahead. Do that. Yeah, do that yeah. too. <laughs> he, he'll certainly do better than Aiden O'Connell, I think. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Who did win a game, technically, I guess, but didn't hey, have much least, to do with it. At least Jarrett Stidham also won games and he started for the Raiders. Did he? I'm pretty sure he did. He probably won one. I probably There's a, probably a Raiders fan out there ready to uh, correct me on that one. 27 years old. Good for him. He's had, you know, he's done a really good job to uh, make sure that he has jobs in the NFL, which is hard to do, especially as a backup because he's what was at New England for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oak, uh, Las Vegas. Wow. I can't believe I just dropped an Oakland Raiders. But didn't they say that he it was is 2024 next week, Gary? And I and I just said Oakland Raiders. On the radio. Well, you're filling What's in for Chris. You're filling in for Chris and doing a great job letting me feel like he's here. But wasn't Stidham at one point hoping or hopeful to others to be the heir apparent to Tom Brady? Everyone was looking to be the heir apparent. But he Tom was Brady. on the roster, and at one point, just like Mac Jones was supposed to be and probably will never be, but he was he was on that list as well. I think he was like the first real good college player, college quarterback they got on their team. when Since Brady was at the end of his they, career? No, they wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to be the heir, remember? Okay, but he, oh, he was one of them, but he wasn't a great college player. Jared Stidham, I think, was more well-known in college. Jimmy Garoppolo was a second-round pick. Jared Stidham was like a fourth-round pick. Okay, well, that's still pretty close. But my point is, in college... Jimmy Garoppolo had a lot of hype going into the NFL who, draft. Who was a bigger name in, coming out of college? Jimmy Garoppolo. You think so? Yes. Okay, we'll stop. He had a lot of hype because he was one of the better, like, you know, smaller division schools because he came out of the same Eastern school Illinois, as... Right? Yeah, Eastern Illinois. So, yeah, he didn't have, like, the uh, pedigree of graduating from Auburn, you know, that great quarterback factory... But I also think that when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's hype going into that draft, there was talk about him going in late, late, late day one, definitely day two, which is certainly better than what Jared Stidham went at. 
Okay, which leads me to the text question that we got a little while ago, and thank you for texting of the Zephyr Insurance text line. What backup NFL quarterback has earned a shot at starting next year? Now, a shot at starting. Now, I'm going to say this right off the top. I think Tommy DeVito deserves a shot at starting. No, he doesn't. Oh, sure he does. After no, he what doesn't. He, he got benched. He got benched. Yeah, but what did he do before that when three out of four? Okay, I'll be this. I was a Tommy DeVito supporter always, but the Giants' defense played very well in those games. Oh, so they did he, though. The Monday, of, the Monday they forced night a game? lot of turnovers in those games, and let's not you know look away from how well that defense played against terrible offenses. But I'm not talking about the defense. It's, he put up points. He had really good numbers, and especially that Monday night come-from-behind victory. Was it the Monday night game or the Sunday night game when that come-from-behind victory in that last drive? Uh, that was just a few weeks ago. I'm I'm not saying he's really good. I'm saying he has a shot. He deserves a shot to start. And w- why wouldn't he after what he's shown this year? I think if he's not, if it's not with the Giants, I'd rather have him at his salary than Daniel Jones at forty million, as of right now. Yeah, of, of course, just because just due to money. But at the same time, though, if my favorite team who needed a quarterback signed Tommy DeVito, I would be hopeful that that is just as a fun little backup job. I don't want him to be my starter for the next couple of years. I think there's a couple of guys out there as backups that have done, you know, well enough to earn a job. I think Jake Browning has certainly done a really oh, great yeah, job. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I think Jacoby yeah. Brissett every single year does his job to make sure that he at least earns a spot for him to be a bridge quarterback or at least be a backup to a young guy that needs a veteran sure. presence. Sure, but again, and that's what the question says, deserves a shot at starting. Yeah, that's so why I'm I think saying, that Jacoby Brissett and Jake Browning are sure, probably the two Sure, but why wouldn't Tommy DeVito be on that list as well? Why wouldn't he deserve a because shot? Because he's not that good. Like I said, I he's he's... Carried, he was carried by a good def- a solid defenses playing against bad teams, as well as a guy you might have heard of him, Saquon Barkley, who's also, you know, you know, done his time in the NFL. If you're gonna go that route, you could. I mean, you could go to Tua and say he wouldn't be as good without Tyree Kill, which he probably That's wouldn't. That's not be. what I'm saying, though, but, at all. But you're saying he, you, you mentioned Barkley as part of the reason why he had the success that he did. Yeah. Yeah, but Tua does so much more than what Tommy DeVito does. I. I'm, but my point is, he you're you're saying that the quarterback is good or isn't as good because of the players around him. The quarterback has a lot to do with that himself. And Tommy DeVito did really well in those three wins. Again, that one nationally televised game, either Sunday or Monday night. He he let him on that drive at the end of the game to win. Yeah, Tommy DeVito did an amazing job handing off the ball to Saquon Barkley. No, no, he passed the ball to win the that game. Uh, he definitely uh, yes. Did. This the one of the one of those games that when the Giants beat the Washington Commanders thirty-one to nineteen. Yes, that, Tommy DeVito throws two forty-six yards and three touchdowns. Solid performance. Yeah. But one of what happens on the other side? Sam Howell throws three interceptions. But, when you but, throw three interceptions, you're going to lose by 12, that's bro. That's not the point, but Tommy DeVito had three touchdowns. That, 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 that he had. You can't disp- dispute that or minimize that. Anyway, we got we got to go to a break and everything, but he's shown that he's put up good numbers at times this oh, year. One of those was a, a pick small six sample too. size. That's crazy. Still, he had three touchdown passes in 246. That's not bad for a guy that came in off the street almost. And, I th- again, just deserving a chance for a, a, a starting position. We'll get more into this, and we'll get more of your text. I want to let you know that you can win a $1,000 cash grand prize and a $100 weekly prize in ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks. It is brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market, 
Visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. I've got to make my picks. Hopefully I will win, but you've got a chance to win, and it is absolutely free. Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth here. It is the Bobby Current Show. Sports Animals officially will take over at 7 a.m. Bobby on vacation this week. Chris Hart on vacation. Both will be back next week. Uh, this, these, this is the week, these days, where you got so many bowl games in college football. I believe this is the first one I can recall for this week, at least, that there's a game on at 6.39 in the morning, and it is Boston College and SMU in the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. At Fenway Park, as you could guess, in Boston, Boston College, in the rain, looks like a light rain, is up 3-0. to zero. We do have a whole bunch of games, and I want to let you know about those right now on our two stations here. And we'll start it off with the bowl game. We're going to have the Pinstripe Bowl, and that is Rutgers and Miami. Uh, that is at Yankee Stadium. It's a little Yankee Red Sox deal going on. That's on CBS 1500 at 915. After that game, the Pop-Tarts Bowl. I believe it's the first official Pop-Tarts Bowl. NC State against Kansas State. And we've also got a third game, and that will be the Alamo Bowl, Arizona and Oklahoma. That actually should be a pretty good game. Uh, Dylan Gabriel will not be playing for Oklahoma in that game. So a triple header on CBS 1500. And then here on ESPN Honolulu, another, well, one team is kind of like a college team. The Jets in Cleveland, the Thursday night matchup. It is the last Thursday night game of the year, I believe. And uh, that game will be on ESPN Honolulu coverage, uh, kickoff at 3.15 for that one. Uh, we, we were talking earlier, and I mentioned, if you haven't heard, tomorrow Braden Shager will be joining us on the show. And uh, Paul on Twitter, with his uh, fake Twitter handle, uh, he did write in there on Twitter and say, excuse me? Uh, what we get the we get the whole time. That was another tweet. He said, "Shaker on your show tomorrow. You act like he won the quarterback competition for next season already." I don't know how I acted like that, but okay. And then he wants us to interview other Hawaii football quarterbacks already, especially the local ones we're pulling for. Ask them tough questions at least. We're not, I'm not going to bring him on the show to give him a hard time about changing his mind. We'll let him explain himself, that's for sure. Uh, but I never acted like uh, he won the competition already. And one of the things I even said the other day was, wouldn't it be ironic if uh, Alejado wins that competition after Braden Shager coming back? But thank you for tweeting uh, for that, Paul. Appreciate that. And it's like if you wanted to hear other local quarterbacks get interviewed, we do have Josh's interview with Micah Alejado on demand at ESPNHonolulu.com. So if you're searching for that content, we do have it. Uh, it's on ESPN Honolulu on demand or wherever you find your podcast, like on Spotify. Yeah, I didn't get to hear that, so I'd like to hear that. I'm excited well. to talk about talk to Braden tomorrow because, you know, he's kind of made his way through the car wash, you know, as the industry calls it, where you go through every single show in a day. Well, in Hawaii, you do every single station in a week. I think that's how it goes every single day. So uh, I know he had a talk with uh, Kyle Chenin from Hawaii News Now. He had a talk with uh, – it was either with Rob or Mitch Liberal from um, uh, KH1. I, I know Rob had him on that one night. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we've heard him talk, but we get to, you know, ask him, you know, something, you know, more direct. We get to hear what we want to hear. And I'm glad that Braden is back because 
are we really going to throw in people who don't have the feel of the offense that we had last year, a really great offense against some really good out-of-conference scheduled opponents? So I'm very glad that he's coming back just for the sake of the health of a lot of other people on the team, not just for our performance of our team, if you catch my drift. Yeah, I'll be glad. We'll be glad to have him on, obviously, and just you know, let him explain the story as in his eyes. Obviously, that only he can say accurately. But we're not going to just talk just about the decision. We'll talk about this season and next year as well. So again, six thirty-five tomorrow. We'll replay that in the uh, eight o'clock hour as well. Earlier in the hour, we were talking about the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame and the fifteen finalists that were announced. And somebody texted in saying, and I'm assuming it's about the Pro Football. Hall of Fame. Remember, we just learned it's not who deserves, but who is the best. And I would imagine maybe if you want to text in again, that's what he was talking about. Uh, but I was also talking about, I, actually, let me go back a little bit. I have a feeling it was about the college basketball uh, at-large team. We were talking about the at-large team. Right? Yeah, the at-large. I, I use the word I, deserved for that. I think that for that, that is who's best and rather than who deserves. Because I feel like with deserves comes a lot of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not ambiguity. Uh, uh, ambiguity. Uh, I'm thinking of objectivity. Uh, and that's the main issue where you, where you do have the net rankings. It does help a little bit. But at the same time, though, you do have to look at a lot of the underlying factors of a lot of teams that don't necessarily get a strong net rating is because they're not playing in these major conferences. That's why you see a lot more of those major like Power 5 teams getting a lot more at-large bids and causing a lot of frustration for fans of mid-major programs like ourselves because at a we're at a colossal disadvantage because we're constantly playing teams that are under kind of like what what would you say the like the the good ranking the of, ranking of the teams, of teams we played like in November number, were probably below 250 right and so if you wanted to kind of stay around that eligible mark in uh in the net rankings what like number? What rank would you say? Like, if you were constantly playing them, you would be in competition of a net ranking, despite not even maybe even being only a couple of games above five hundred. Well, it's based on part of that. I'll, I'll get more specific in that. But the re the big reason that the Power Five will get more teams at large wise is because they'll bring more eyeballs, more ratings, because more people will probably watch. Let's say Indiana versus. Mississippi and basketball, because they're probably, let's say, 500 teams in their conference, as opposed to UC Irvine uh, against San Francisco. Because they're in a, a, a group, um, a, a mid-major, uh, not the group of five, but it's a mid-major, and not as many people are going to have interest. So they're going to pick teams, just like for football in a way, you want to pick the teams that are going to have the biggest ratings. And that way you can charge the advertisers more, and it's more money for everybody. That's what it is. It's a business. As far as the net ranking, it's not – that's just part of it. Basically what they're looking at is quad wins. And without getting too detailed, because it is a little confusing, uh, by virtue of your net or your, your your net ranking, you're going to be either a quad one team, a quad two, quad three, quad four. If you when the committee meets in March, they're going to look at what you have done as a team. How many quad one wins did you have? How many quad two wins did you have? How many quad three or four losses did you have? And all that comes into play as far as deciding which teams maybe would get in that large. And, you know, for example, playing TCU, I believe, I'm not, I would 
think they were quad one, but at worst they were a quad two team. Georgia Tech, same thing. And Nevada, I think Nevada is a quad one by virtue of their season uh, going into last week. So if you win any of those games, you get credit for that. It's a quad one win on the road. It means even more. Now, if you have a quad four loss, for example, if you look at Hawaii's schedule and they lost to Niagara or Northern Arizona, especially with those games being at home, if they did, that would hurt them. So those quads really mean a lot. And they've changed that maybe five, six years ago before COVID, where that came into play a lot. And that's one of the criteria they, they, they voted on. But again, they're going to look at the teams that can pull in money meaning ratings, and that's how they'll pick some of those teams. And the mid-majors just don't have as much uh, people following them as much as some of the Power Five and even the average teams at 500. Would you agree, though, that at least in the first two rounds of March Madness, there there are eyes on those lower-ranking, maybe mid-major oh, teams? Oh, once you get to the tournament, once you but get to, to the get tournament, into the course. tournament. Because I was going to say, once you get into the tournament, I'll say this, I think— the second round is where you would see a peak of a team of an upset, and then it gradually goes down for some. Like, obviously, by the way, did you know three years in a row we've had a 15 seed beating a two seed? Three years in a row? Three years in a row, because obviously last year was Princeton over Arizona. The two years ago was the legendary run from St. Peter's. And I was at the game when they beat um, Purdue. I was at the next round, Sweet 16, when they beat Purdue, another top seed. And then the year before that was Oral Roberts over Ohio State. So so that's actually something interesting that I was just looking up. And obviously last year, uh, the second time in five years where you had the 16 seed beating the one seed, last year being fairly Dickinson over uh, Purdue. And, of course, the OGs, the 2018 the UMBC, what are they, the Golden Retrievers over oh Virginia? I know they're a dog. I know that for sure. Well, they're in Baltimore, Baltimore they're either, County. They're either uh, the Labradors or the Retrievers, mm. and I can't remember. But at the same, but what I was getting to was that I that's the tough part about the March Madness and how it's you know how it goes with a lot of the net rankings and the quad one one through four and all that stuff is that I feel like when it comes to March Madness. People want to see upsets. Oh yeah, you want you want to see don't the, watch, the Cinderella teams. Like, I would much rather watch St. Peter's versus Kentucky over like Pitt versus Ohio, Iowa State. You know what I mean? And both were upsets, but one is certainly a much better watch. If it, that it, makes it, sense. I mean, see, I, I I've seen three or four 15 seeds win. I saw Florida Gulf Coast over San Diego State. I've seen Coppin State over South Carolina. I've seen Hampton over Iowa State. Anyway, we'll get more into that coming up in a minute. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll get to more of your texts and more coming up. Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman and Tanner Hayworth here. If you'd like to call or text 808-296-1420. Coming up in about 35 minutes, Charlie Wade will be talking Rainbow Warrior Volleyball. And again, it's right around the corner. To me, men's volleyball might be the sport that sneaks up on you the quickest. Uh, And it's the same basic date every year just because... 
you're thinking basketball. Football just ended. Women's volleyball just ended a month ago. And basketball is starting conference play, and then all of a sudden volleyball's there. That's how I feel, at I least, anyway. I think it's anyway. just because it starts during winter break. For that, too. Everything that combined. It just, it just, you almost, not that you forget about it and you look forward to it. It's just that it's not like, you know, baseball's going to start, you know, in February. And volleyball, again, starts the same time. But just the way it plays out with the holidays and, like you said, maybe even winter break and all that stuff, it just, you know, it seems like the first time you hear the, the starting date or the first game of the season's date announced, you're thinking, wow, it's here already. I remember a couple of years ago, I think this was actually not last year, but two years ago, because it was the year after we won the national championship. And I think that was a right around the time where they started lifting COVID restrictions. And I, I went to the first game for men's volleyball because I was off of work that day. And I remember having such a great time. Uh, we had They had honored a Rainbow Wahine, former Rainbow Wahine volleyball player that was sitting right behind me the entire time with her kid. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. Awesome experience. And, of course, because it was the height of, like, 2021 or 2022, all the COVID stuff being lifted, that's when I first got COVID. <laughs> oh, oh, I remember you telling that story. I thought you were going to go with this because I remember going to the— I was wearing my mask, like, the entire game, too. I went to the last volleyball match before COVID, and it was against BYU when they right. had that reverse sweep. And it, if it wasn't sold out, which it probably wasn't, it was really close. And I remember that Friday night uh, in early March, seeing them beat BYU. Second night, they beat them. And then a week later is when everything got shut down. But I remember that was the last sporting event in the Stan Sheriff Center, for, with fans being allowed right. at least for over a year. So. I think this year is going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's obviously going to be a little weird not seeing Jakob Tella or Demi out there and uh, Cole Hoagland as well. But... We still got a lot of guys returning. Guillermo Vos, Jazz Galloway, uh, Spiros Hakas in a different number. But there's a lot of new guys that I'm excited for, too. I think of the guys like Kevin Cowling and Tred Rosenthal. Are Rosenthal, of, the guy we heard so much yeah, about, the California are, kid. Yeah, and they're both like six nine setters. That's yeah, the most right. in insane thing about it. And That's of course, the name we have, I'm trying to remember. And we have the trio of Moana Lua grads, all from different parts of the country. Uh, we won't talk about that. Uh, what? Well, two from two different parts of the country, and one from Canada. And then we have like a whole bunch of other guys. I think there's a whole lot to be excited for for this team. Kind of continuing this in the next hour because I have a New Year's uh, segment question about maybe the greatest local athletic performance by uh, any athlete in Hawaii. We'll get into that coming up. Charlie Wade as well with the Sports Animals coming up on ESPN Honolulu.